So, shall we begin? Yes, let's begin. Hello and thank you for downloading this episode of My Dad Pod. My name is Dave Berry and I recently became a father for the first time. That's why I wanted to create a space for all people to come and celebrate the wonderful, exciting, sometimes scary, but absolute joy of fatherhood. Each episode I'll be joined by a special guest and friend to talk all things dad. And today I'm joined by an award-winning comedian, movie and television star, most loved for his work on The Far Show and as Pete in Cold Feet. He's a dad of two daughters, Olivia and Sophia. Fear Melody, it's John Thompson. Hello. John, thank you for doing this. Pleasure. I am a shiny new dad, as someone who's been in the game for 17 years. Mm. How does one navigate their way through fatherhood? Is it is it partly trial and error? Yes, it is. Now, being a dad, it's a huge learning curve. There will be times when you'll feel redundant because you didn't carry it. Right. I'm sure you've had that, you had that when your wife was pregnant, feelings of inadequacy. Yes, okay. Uh, so you feel a little bit inadequate and a little bit emasculated. And people don't realise that. I don't think people know that side of the dad that happens, because I did. And your contribution to the baby is very minimal, really. You're not carrying this thing around that is a parasite, really, that feeds off you, that keeps your wife awake at night, that makes her go to the toilet 20 times, that drives her mad with hormones. You're just like there, like the help <laughs> <laughs> that gets in the way, no matter how much you want to give at the beginning, you really, this is, I'm talking pregnancy now, you know. So Did you, did you share these feelings of inadequacy with your partner at no, the time? I wouldn't dare because the hormones were raging and it was best to keep, for my own safety, to keep, <laughs> to keep them to them myself. But um, it, it is good to seek out dads or maybe pregnant fathers, you know, to, to share with. It's like anything. It's like AA. It's like Weight Watchers. I mean, it is wise. Have you noticed, like, a lot of mom, young mums seek out friends or... or they, well, there's apps for that now to introduce young mums to one another. But that was kind of my theory behind the dad pod. Because we obviously we have nothing but the ultimate respect for the mums. Yes, we that do. goes without saying. We we'll have to. But you're right. There's a support network they have for themselves, and maybe this is typical of men not wanting to talk about this this Possibly. kind of thing about these fears of feeling inadequate. Emasculated was the word you used, yes. John. I, yeah, it is that. I mean, I'm speaking very seriously on this. Really, uh -huh. it's something that's not very addressed. It's not really addressed, really. The man's role in the pregnancy, particularly, you know. And also then, once the baby's born, they, they have this invisible umbilical cord that the, the, the mums have to the children that you don't really have, that you have to nurture along the way. I don't think, it, I don't think fatherhood comes naturally to men because of hardwiring genetically. You know what the kind of their role... Mm -hmm. If we take it back to the cave, I suppose their job was nurture, wasn't it? Nurture baby, feed baby. Yeah. And protect baby. Did you know that women have better peripheral vision than a man? I didn't. Is that to protect the young? Yes, yeah, to protect the babies. Ah. They can see far beyond uh, where, our, where our peripheral ends. And that's for predators back in the day. Right, okay. So if velociraptors popping up. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, so uh, we, we, I mentioned the words partly trial and error, and you, you've talked about the, the way you're feeling during the pregnancy and then, and then the baby comes along. Having spoken to other dads, I, I mean, I've fallen instantly in love with Evangeline, yeah. and I, I like to think that early on we are building a really good bond. But I've spoken to some other dads who said it took them a while to love their children. 
almost like there's a stranger in the house doing the things that you're discussing to their partner and I'm not the doughy-eyed dad that everyone kind of poetically speaks about. Whereas I have been that, I've, I feel that way and I feel blessed to feel that way. What was it for you, John? Interesting. I'm adopted, so people who say their babies, brand new babies, look like their parents are idiots. <laughs> because they don't at all. They all look exactly the same. They are all very They're similar, all very, aren't they? very, very similar. If you could... If you could do an actual quiz where you you put a, a baby's face on go and pair the mum and dad with it, a game show perhaps, I'd like to see how that goes. I, you know, I was I was deliberately trying to take in as much as I could the moment that she was born before she was taken away because I agree with you. They all look the same. You could give they us do. another one back. Unless... I, mean, I have faith in NHS that they wouldn't do that to us. Unless there's some family resemblance like a... I mean, no. I don't even think if you had a huge nose in the family, <laughs> a baby doesn't really... His cartilage isn't developed enough to manifest. Yeah. So, really, it was kind of like... Because I don't know my biological parents. I don't know what they look like. So that kind of thing, for me... Oh, does he look like his dad or his mum? It, it, it's double annoying. It's just I something people really have like, said. No, it yeah. doesn't. But later on, of course, they develop those, you know, aspects. But, um... That was the thing I didn't take to it at first. Okay. But I was very, very much in the mindset of being hands-on as possible, nappy changing, when? Give it to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I knew uh, changing nappies, even when, you know, there might have been a bit of an explosion, which does happen occasionally. Oh you goodness, know, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, that, it doesn't bother me. I mean, there's nothing. The feeding routine at night can be a little bit, make you fractious with whose turn it is, I remember. Yeah. That's your turn. Yeah. Is it? You know, when you're that tired, you go, yeah, but is it? And they start to question it, and you go, "Oh my god, I really don't know." And I'm gonna, I don't want to row. I really I, I don't, don't want, want to row at three in the morning. I don't want to start a chart. I don't want to do a fridge chart with magnets. Don't make me go downstairs and mark this off with a biro. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, you, you touched on your mum and dad there. Tell us about your dad, as to the extent that how you feel you differ and are similar as a father figure. Well, I I was a baby when I was adopted, so I was only weak. Old, so that I was brought up from being a baby. Yeah. So I don't, I don't I clearly don't remember much, but I know my parents are very loving and very caring. I, I'm a grounded individual, you know. They've done a good job with me, you know. Well, I agree. I'd like to think. Yeah, um, they definitely have, John. I once did an interview, and, and, and uh, I think it was for the Guardian, and, and, and I had a lovely. Ch- I grew up in a rural area outside of Preston called New Longton, which is a village surrounded by a lot of agriculture. Really, and we used to build rope swings and make fires and, and dens and. And, and and that kind of thing. And I remember some. You're not supposed to read the comments after because people say how. Yeah, never read are. the comments. Don't really. Don't read below the line. <laughs> they say. But someone went. What a refreshing change to read of someone who'd had an idyllic childhood and enjoyed it thoroughly. It and sounds I just thought, nice. Well, it was. It was good. It's midsummer, but without the murders. <laughs> it was no murders. I thought I was having a boy. So my ex-wife, was Sam, was all out front. She was very, very big, but out at the front like a bullet. Imagine like Bullet Bill in Super Mario Kart. She was like that, right? <laughs> so she was out there, and then all the old wives, uh, in brackets, uh, the, you know, the hypocritical stuff, you know. Oh, she's all out front, it's a boy. The, the ring is rotating anti-clockwise, it's a this, boy. Or... She said, what are you craving? You know, because they have uh, interesting food choices when they're pregnant, and that was, uh, hers was cr- fresh cream cakes. Love fresh cream. They went, 
Definitely a boy, dairy. So we've got two old wives' tails going on, bullet bill giant sticking out, and then we've got that. Then we was chalked up on the board because um, we had cesareans. The boy's name, which was for Olivia's Charlie Francis, I can't remember what Sophia's name was. I think it was Alexander John. Oh, OK. Four strong names. Yeah, strong names. Strong names. So Sophia and Olivia are like the top, top choices of girls' names now, aren't they? Anyway, I thought, here we go, here's a boy, out came a girl. And I went, oh, my God. So this is to reassure you, I wanted a boy, but got a girl. And then when we got pregnant again, I wanted another girl because I loved having a girl so much. I feel very fortunate to have a little girl. Well, the girls love their dads. Yeah. They love you. Does that very carry much. on? It does, absolutely. Yes. Okay, even into teenage years? Yes, it does. <laughs> the, the, you will lose them a little to friends and, and the, 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 the call of the social. But yeah, they say that girls, when they leave home, girls always come back, whereas boys go. Yeah. So a boy will put his little knapsack on his back and he's yeah. off, but a girl will always come back. Okay. So that's reassuring. That is very reassuring. You mentioned that the article you did with The Guardian and someone commenting about the idyllic growing up mm. and and it brings to mind rope swings and having fun out on the wreck. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that and I think that to form a, a creative, rounded human, I think that creativity is one of the one of the big things imagination is one of the yes, big things absolutely. and i think that everyone can find it difficult and you just want a little bit of respite so you just stick them with the ipad but i think that going out and imagining that you're in the rocket ship or that the baddies are coming to get you these all build particularly as an actor these all kind of build those things early on do you think that that idyllic playing out at that time has helped you get into what you do now for a living it's definitely helped because that kind of wide open space thing, it, it can't do you any harm. I was very fortunate that my parents' house backed onto a disused railway line. Oh, which had no high adventure. Rail, no rails on it. but And a bridge, and like a bridge underneath it could go under, you know. So that was just joyous. And I learned to ride a bike down there. Because there's a big old wide open space, you know. So we had that on top of the garden. But my dad put up tyres and a rope ladder and a, things on the trees in the back garden. So we were lucky. We were very lucky, very fortunate. We didn't have the electronics that kids have today, like you mentioned. We did it finally get an Atari, but it was 2600? Like yes, but with a teak finish. But it, <laughs> oh, was, it was a lovely looking thing, wasn't it? The wasn't Atari it? 2600. It was, a, it was a thing of joy. And it brought Video the games together. kept in the leather bookcases just, just for that extra My added piece of class. My dad used to play it when we went to bed on Space Invaders. Game 33 was two under. So you could play two. Rocket, two, you know, uh, oh. launchers simultaneously while the invaders came down. And when it wasn't the official Tato invasions, Tato, not to be confused, the Irish crisps, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I never thought of that. So there was a limited amount of electronics, a lot of reading. One thing I will tell you to do is mm-hmm. read, read books to your daughter okay. at night. Bedtime story went on until they kind of tired of it. Okay. And it went, and that was every night. And we get some good ones. Seuss is always good. Dr. Okay, Doctor Zeus. I've oh. just read my first Beatrix Potter. I've just read okay. Peter Rabbit to Evangeline. She obviously is too young to understand yeah, what's going it's on. It's a great way to start. Yeah, to hear your voice. Yeah. That's early nurturing, you see, because I've got an A-level inch about child developmental psychology. So early nurturing is the bond they hear. You know, it's oh, the, that's, the sound that's fascinating. Of your voice, they'll bond with you. And I've read somewhere that it is about them hearing, just yes, just course. always describing to them you. what you're doing. All, your, all the senses. All the senses. So, yeah, to, to, to read to them is a lovely thing, because at night, there's that, it's quite quiet, and that, because you've been using voice all day, Yeah, your voice gets a bit deep, and you've got that nice kind of 
bedtime story voice. Well, keeping it on that theme, you tweeted recently that you had the great honour bestowed upon you of um, reading a, a story out for your daughter's classmates. I loved it, yes. It was World Book Day. What a lovely thing to yeah. be asked to do. I bet you jumped at the chance to do that. I did. I read to every year of the school. So that, oh, right. So I did a different one. It was age appropriate. <laughs> It wasn't a sixth form, thankfully. It was... <laughs> match it. Anyway, age-appropriate stories. So I did... i tell you what, I did Green Eggs and Ham, which is a suit that's great, because you can go a bit silly with that and get faster and faster and faster. Uh, will you eat green eggs, uh, uh, Sam I am, and all that. So, yeah, I've always been a fan of suits because some of them are lovely. They've got a bit of a, a meaning, uh, a deeper meaning, like, oh, the places you'll go is a great one. But there are some absolutely cracking books. I mean, all the Julia Donaldson and Alex Scheffler. Is that Room on the Broom? Yes. Okay, I took They're my niece great. to see that. Okay. They're fantastic. Yes. I can't recommend them enough. They're great. They love them as well. And the rhyming couplets are so clever. There's, there's the smartest giant in town. Oh, there's so many. The Gruffalo seems like quite a popular the, one. It's the most popular. Yeah. The Snail and the Whale, that's another one. I've read The Snail, snail and the Whale. whale. Like, yes. That's a good one. I'll tell you one book that's really brilliant is The Jolly Postman. Okay. And The Jolly Postman has that. a load of letters, and each page has a letter, an envelope on it. It's all to do with an invitation to a party. Oh, that's fun. And you open the envelope and you read the different letters from the different people. What a lovely idea. Oh, it's a great one. It's a really good one. The Jolly, the Jolly Postman. Postman, that's a I've wonderful. noted it, John, yes. I've noted it. Let me ask you, because I've, I've been faced with this problem for the first time. Yeah. When you're away working... Yes, and you, that's you, a tough ...you're one. filming cold feet. It is, because there's, you can look at it as time in a hotel room, or you can look at it as a, a, away from... Well, I'm very fortunate, because cold feet is shot in Manchester, and wait for it, is set in Didsbury, where I live. Oh, OK. <laughs> Perfect. I've been very, very fortunate... Wow. ...on regards of going away... Uh, uh, because there's quite a strong drama presence in Manchester now, which is helped by Media City. So time away has not been too okay. bad. I've been pretty lucky. I mean, funny I should say that, I'm off to do plebs. Uh, oh, great. In, um, but that's yeah. in Bulgaria. Right. Want, so, uh, yeah. so that's that. So that'll show. be a week. But because I'm divorced, we have a balance that every other weekend. But what I'll do is I'll make it up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And then, and then we have we have equal term time. Equal half term and summer holiday time and everything. It's all it's all fine. But you are inherently someone who hated being away from the, yeah, didn't from like the family. It. Yes. Okay. But the thing is though, with this day and age, the problem is FaceTime or, or Skype is a double edged sword because it's either yes, you get to see them, yeah. but also the fact they can see you and hear you, it's not just like I've put your dad on on you know, put your daughter on the phone or it, it's that thing of it can it can make it worse. I totally agree. I I'm think, so pleased to hear you say yeah, that. Because I just think that, that it might make, if you're away a lot or a long time, it'll make them pine because they see you. And you know, when you hang up, you can just see the faces go, just the change. It's, yeah, it breaks I, your heart. I had that, first of all, with my two nieces, and I, yeah. it, it proved to be really good training because I'm looking at having three weeks away without seeing yeah. Evangeline. And one of the things I've thought of is the FaceTime, and I just think it's going to make things worse, John. I think it is for you yeah. as well. For yeah, yeah. Well, no, well, precisely, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking purely of myself. Two, it's a two-way street. <laughs> we 
And we've all heard of the concept of the dad joke. Yes. But what I'd rather ask is, are your kids funny? Do they make you laugh? You know, because Evangeline makes me laugh all the time, but it's just because she's rolled over or got some food up her nose. Yeah, of course. But are they crafting and creating gags almost? Or are they? do they know what makes their dad laugh so they're deliberately hitting you with the big guns? Both of them are showing a very strong ability for mimicry. Ah, OK. Yeah. Well, dangerous at school. Of course. Well, when vines were big, the kind of thing... Uh, I mean, I remember that the one thing they could both do verbatim with the accent was sweet brown... Yeah. Oh, yeah. do you know the one that go? Ain't nobody got time for that. They could both do that <laughs> brilliantly, but both girls are. Um, I mean, my little Sophia, she does a very good Anne Hegarty. <laughs> Being asked, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. She, she does it absolutely brilliantly. Uh, Olivia's great at accents. She's kind of her Aussie's really good because she picked that up off uh, H2O you know the Mermaid show have you ever seen that no that's a new yeah. one on me but there's a kind of in she does she goes Cleo don't go near the water right because <laughs> <laughs> if they go near the water they get turned into mermaids you see <laughs> so both got my ear really for, for accents and voices which really excites me both kind of want to Sophia not so much now I know Olivia definitely wants to get into the business but Sophia the only reason I found that out was when she went to Panto and did the song sheet and she was invited up on stage. And he went, what do you want to be, Sophia, when you grow up? She went, an actress. She was really little. An actress. <laughs> I went, oh, blimey. Not really. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got to ask the question, John. Would you encourage? Would you totally. help? Would you support? 100%. Good. Because my parents never told me to get a proper job. No. Now, occasionally our parents have failed us and made, you know, made some decisions that we might not agree with, but there are some that I definitely agree with. And the fact that my parents nurtured what I wanted to do I never said, thankfully my dad didn't have a trade. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was a joiner. I don't know how that really works now, because that was always the way you hand down the family business. What did your dad do, I presume? My dad, uh, yes he is. My dad worked in, uh, well he did very well in physics at at UMIS, and then he went to work for a company, British BTR, British Tire and Rubber, and then he got involved in polymers and and all sorts. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and he worked high up in business. Did you ever go to work? Did you ever do that day? spinning chair. (laughs) in this year. I remember my dad worked for Thames Water right before he retired and he used to do this thing called uh, he'd be on standby which meant for double bubble or whatever he got he'd be available throughout the night and he took me with him once and I got to sit in a JCB oh, nice. when I was about six years old and that's that all was, right. that was pretty cool that's special now of the people I've been talking uh, fatherhood with, I've been getting some valuable dad advice. Okay. And recently, Benedict Cumberbatch yes. said to me, sleep when they sleep, make sure to build some napping time into your day yes. to avoid going insane. Yes. Given the ages of your, your two daughters, and there'll be people who have downloaded this, hopefully, who are new fathers, who have adult children, what would be your best piece of dad advice? Benedict's got that right about the nap time. Because uh, you can survive on water alone for a week. I think you can survive on no food for a week, but you can't survive on no sleep. No. Not for a week. It'll send you insane. Sleep when sleep, they sleep. Sleep when they sleep's great advice. Eat well. I got quite fat when my ex-wife got pregnant. I just kind of like ate... I took it as... A, as <laughs> I took it as carte blanche to kind of eat when she wanted to eat. I could. 
Well, Which it's is a poor, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you do see that happen. But what I would say is eat well, eat things that are nutri- nutritious food. Okay. Eat a rainbow, you know, kind of like yeah. lots of lots of iron is will be very good for you because you will be your sleep deprivation. Also, find your own route, find okay. your own path. Don't listen to many of the, don't listen to the naysayers and the, oh, you're doing it wrong. You know, that kind of, you might be seen out feeding your baby. Well, you're not supporting the head right there. It's like, just back off. Okay. Yeah. Find your own path. Run your own race. That's find it. your own path. But uh, there's three different cries. If you can work them out. Oh, pain. identify the different sounds of the cries. Yeah, That's if you can know, though, if you can learn the three cries, there's three different cries. Okay. There is attention. Three cries. So there's, there is pain. There is hungry. Yes, that's it. There's pain, hunger, and attention. Now, if you can separate the first two from the third, the attention, you, you, you've cracked it. If you can tonally kind of work those out. Okay. Because you'll see a child, you sometimes you'll see a, a toddler fall and go, and they go, and you get straight in there and go, I don't know. And they go, and you can stop it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've learned very manipulative. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Very early on, they yeah. will know how to to get you. Push your buttons. But for me, it was the joy of uh, interaction when they started to develop a personality. Yeah. But you have a major saying as well. You've got to remember that. You're developing yeah. that personality with them. Well, to go back a, a couple of steps, I think that's why a, a lovely piece of dad advice you've, you've peppered into the podcast this time around, John, is, is that reading to your, to your Read. children early and, and letting them. them know your voice. And you know that from a professional aspect from what you've totally. studied. So that's... If you're not really a bookie house, get some. Do you know yeah. what I mean? If you're not a reader yourself, I mean, most people can read, I'm saying. But the thing is, though... People say to me, are you a, a Kindle or a, or a tablet reader or are you a book reader? Well, I'm both. Mm-hmm. It depends on convenience, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I will read both. But I think if you're not particularly bookish or, or kind of into reading books, and there are people out there who might be listening to this, get your kids to at least get your kids some because you'll enjoy the experience with them. And the great, <laughs> there's great pictures. Some of the illustrations are fantastic. I used to relish... I always used to go, do you want a story? When they were a bit older and go, they'd say no. I'd be a bit gutted. Because I'd want to. You want to read the Jolly Postman again, John. You want to read the Jolly Postman. (laughs) But reading to your children, it also inspires the imagination. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's that's my, yeah. There's some good dad advice you've peppered through. Um, A couple more little bits. John, your children listen to this podcast back in 15 years from now. What would you like to say to them? Ah, so my kids listen to this in 15 years' time. I apologise for the... No, it, well, it's not really an apology because it's not really that bad. I have this habit of kind of... I have a habit now for some reason. I'm like a slight graze of the elbow or passing or a, a bump of the knee or, or a drop, say, dropping something like a piece of paper. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> like a... Oh! It's like a major... It's become a major thing. And it's just like... I could just let that paper float to the floor or I could just think that... I could just go... Oh, bang my elbow there. <laughs> no, but no, no. But it's in their absence. They'll be in the lounge watching telly, and I'm in the kitchen. Ah! Oh! Oh! And it's like, hey, Dad, are you all right? And I go, yeah, I am actually. I'm okay. It's nothing major. And I don't know whether... Now you're is... aware of it as well. It's... Oh, I'm so aware of it's it. It's going to be tough to shift. 
It's just kind of, why am I overreacting to such trivial things? <laughs> is this what old age is starting to look like? So I, I apologise for that. OK, that's, that's a nice message for the girls to get. And finally, there's an old saying that yes. says it's like being asked to pick your favourite child. You don't have to name her. Yes or no, do you have a favourite child? No. Okay. I good. do not. I love them equally. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, as a Catholic lad... I used to really resent the fact that the, the one of the apostles, uh, the, the disciples, that John, even though it was my name, John was Jesus's favourite. And I went, <laughs> hang on, Jesus never had favourites. We're all Jesus's favourites. He, he was the man of the people, Jesus. He, <laughs> that was his whole shtick. John, who was Jesus's favourite, and I go, who says so? <laughs> you, you look at the bottom. Gospel according to John. Of course, according to John. Of course, it was. No one ever loves Dave. That's the problem. No, um, Dave, bless him. John, it's been such a pleasure seeing you. Well, I've read that you're going to be going in for more cold feet. You're going to be doing looking indeed. scripts over the summer. Normally, this we're is very no, but right. we were not. We were going a, late, a bit later in the year. We're shooting okay. in September, but it should be out in January like it was last year. And what the character of Pete has, has meant to the viewers has taken on a whole new mm. thing. And you said that, you know, the first time round, we were all loving life. Everything was rosy in everybody's garden. And now with the uncertainty surrounding... Brexit and people getting older and a world of Donald Trump. Yes. You have to reflect that in a, such a dearly loved drama. Economically and socially, yes, we do. And, and unfortunately, the Giffords haven't had the best run of luck. And Pete's had his had his, his demons, his suicide, his depression. Uh, so not actual suicide, because no. he wouldn't, wouldn't still be in the show. Yes, yeah. but his thoughts. His depressive thoughts. And, and Jenny's breast cancer, it's about time the Giffords won the lottery. Are you listening, scriptwriters? <laughs> A lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Um, well, I know that all the fans listening will be thrilled that it's coming back. Thank you very much indeed, My pleasure, John. Dave. Great to see you. Thanks, Take mate. Care. Good luck with your child. Thank you. What a pleasure it was speaking to comedy legend John Thompson. Please do leave a comment and a rating, and don't forget to like and subscribe if you enjoyed My Dad Pod. And why not pass it on to someone who might enjoy it? Thank you if you've taken the time to do that already, by the way. Joining me next time will be the star of last season's Britain's Got Talent, a comedian who is a dad to a one-year-old son. It's Kojo. I can't wait to have him on the podcast. And, of course, you can contact me. It's daveberrydadpod at gmail.com if you have any questions. Thanks again for listening. Listener.